I don't know what they want from me. It's like the more money we come across, the more problems we see. So I thought that was pretty relevant considering the topics will be today. No, oh, it's great to have you on the show and thank you so much for opening it up, Lauren. And uh, I, I'll be honest, we have not had an accountant or anybody regarding bookkeeping and numbers. And basically I would say more than half of the business and construction, as you probably are well aware of, uh, on the show yet. So welcome. I really appreciate you awesome. spending time and, and getting on the show. And then, uh, you're, you're, where are you? You're in New York. So I live about 20 minutes outside Manhattan. I'm in Northern New Jersey. Um, we lived like literally right across the river from Manhattan for, I don't know, 13 years and moved to the quote suburbs uh, a few years ago because we've got two little ones. So made our way uh, a little further into New Jersey, but again, pretty close to Manhattan. Well, it's, I thought it was always better to not be in Manhattan and be outside of Manhattan. You, like yeah, I mean, the bang for your buck is definitely better when you're outside of the city. Um, and just personally, I can't imagine at this point in my life being in the chaos of kind of that city life anymore. Um, so appreciate having a bit of space and, you know, room for the kids to run. So it's good. Beautiful. All right. So we, we have uh, Lauren Furtado here. Uh, and the business name again, sorry, is unconventional. No, no, sorry. What's the business name? Yep. Yeah, it's unconventional CFO services. Um, so I like to kind of use that tagline because I like to think that when you think of a CPA that I'm not necessarily what comes to mind. Nope. <laughs> um, typically you're thinking of a buttoned up old guy behind a big wooden desk, not somebody covered in tattoos with long dark hair. Um, but I also, in terms of kind of the service I provide, I like to, yeah, I'll say dumb it down a little bit, keep things simple. Um, you know, finances can feel complicated and overwhelming, but I like to simplify it in a way that really is digestible for people. We'll get, we'll get into, I got a lot of questions. Don't worry. We'll get into all of that. So unconventional, uh, you want me to give up your cell number for people to reach you or no? Sure. Yeah. Uh, area code 716-361-0744. Her email is lauren at unconventional, um, sorry, unconventionalfo.com. And then the website is www.unconventional-cfo.com. And uh, you're also on Instagram, no? I am. Yeah. So my handle is lauren underscore furtado underscore CFO. There we go. Okay. And then yeah. I just want to do a quick shout out to, I'm wearing custom and quality tea. Thanks so much guys for the tea and following along with the posts and the shows and the encouragement. I really appreciate it. Unleash your voice on the Construction Life podcast community. Are you passionate about the world of construction, trades, and all things building related? The Construction Life podcast wants to hear from you. Leave us a review, share your thoughts, insights, and experiences on your favorite podcast channel. Your review fuels our mission to create engaging and informative content for the construction community. Your feedback is a mortar that holds our podcast together. So share your thoughts, rate us, and let the construction community know why the Construction Life is your go-to podcast. Visit our website and check out the over 400 tradespeople and construction professionals listed on our site. Check out www.theconstructionlife.com for additional content, behind-the-scenes exclusives, and valuable resources. Dive deeper into the construction world with articles, guest profiles, and more. Follow us on social at TCL underscore The Construction Life. Subscribe to our video channels on YouTube and Rumble. Check out our link tree and find exclusive discounts for listeners. The link is in the IG bio. Join the conversation on Facebook, the Construction Life community. Uh, but now let's get talking about numbers. And I guess my first question to you, Lauren, is uh, why is it that so many contractors are so afraid to talk numbers about their business? Are they just 
they're nervous and ashamed that maybe they're doing something wrong and they don't want somebody that's not in the industry to tell them that they're doing something wrong? Yeah, I think it's absolutely mindset. And I think it's a couple of things. I think it's lack of knowledge and feeling embarrassed to an extent of saying, hey, listen, I don't know if my business is profitable. And maybe you've been in business for a long time and you hate to admit that. But if you don't understand your numbers, to be able to I call it kind of the financial nakedness, like there's an intimate level of like being able to reveal your numbers to someone. Cause even if I said to you, Manny, like, show me your credit card bill right now, you probably would be like, absolutely not. Like, oh, I, I don't want you to see what I've been doing. Right. Like there's just an element of it feeling like it is something that is so personal. Um, and when you don't have the know-how it's hard to admit that. So I think it also is ego, right. With men, um, especially in the trades or in construction, there's an element of feeling like I need to know I'm running my business. Like this is kind of my baby, right? That like I, for someone to come in and tell me I'm doing something wrong feels uncomfortable as well. And then I think the third thing really comes down to trust. When you bring someone in as an accountant, it's a service-based business, right? That like you are buying kind of the person. So to develop a level of trust, to overcome those mindset issues, unfortunately, I think takes a little bit of getting to know somebody. So it's being comfortable enough to share that information with somebody that you truly think can add some value to your business. I, I love what you're, you're starting off the show with because it's a hundred percent true. I agree with you on all of all those points. And I find it really funny that the good contractors, the good tradespeople that I have met and I've spoken and I've worked with, they're not afraid to open up on the job site regarding the skill set and their their work and their work ethic. But I guess when it comes to the business side, they're extremely afraid about opening that up. But then they just don't realize that if you finally do open up and share it with somebody that will give you valuable information, you'll be better off in the end. And don't yeah. you want to be better off in your business? Yeah, absolutely. Right. Typically, the story of how business owners in this space have come to become business owners is usually through coming up through the trades, right? You're not an entrepreneur and then come into the space of opening construction business typically, right? So like your background isn't in the business part of it. It's not in the numbers. So being able to admit that you need help and like candidly, as a business owner myself, I don't know it all. So I need help with marketing. So I hired somebody to help me with that. Right. Yes. So it's just admitting you literally cannot be the jack of all trades as it relates to every aspect of your business, getting the right professional to help you, whether that's finances or needing to bring in like a specialty trade to execute a job. Right. Like knowing that you don't have the guys to necessarily execute certain pieces of it, like just identifying that you have a need and being able to admit that you need help. Do you want to share with everybody that's listening, I, I guess, a little brief background on you, like where your experience is coming from? Because obviously, you know what you're talking about, which I totally respect. Yeah. <laughs> but it, but let's but by I mean, let's let everybody know that where you where you got your experience from. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'll take a minute to kind of explain what a fractional CFO is. Yeah, that was, that was that one is, of my questions. That is, yeah, absolutely. It's always you say that and people give you the blank stare of like, what the hell does that even mean? I know what you're talking <laughs> right? about. Like, I totally know what you're talking about. Yes. Yeah, okay. No, no, you can admit, you can admit it, right? Put the ego aside and tell me you don't know. Of course. I do um, not yeah, so, know. Yes. <laughs> so in the world of accounting, I'll say people are usually familiar with two people. <clears throat> One is the bookkeeper. That person is typically dealing with transactions that have already happened, making sure your books are up to date. This is critical. Um, the other person is typically a tax person, right? You've got requirements. I think in Canada, it's right provincial as well as federal, federal. requirements Same here in the US, right? So somebody who's making sure that you're compliant with all the tax rules, making sure you're making payments, filings are all on time, um, as well as some component of 
potentially some tax planning. So people are usually, when you say you're an accountant, identify with those two. I always use the analogy of being on a road trip. Those are looking in the rear view. So they are saying, okay, where have we been, right? Now I take that information and look forward. Let's look out the windshield. Where are we going? What are the goals of the business? Um, and I would say, especially if you're growth minded in terms of, oh, I want to open another location or I want to hire a bunch of new guys. Um, this is a critical role for you to figure out, well, how do I take where I've been, where I am right now? And like, what are the turns I need to make to get to that goal? Where's the destination? Um, so really a, a fractional CFO is helping you and developing projections to figure out like what specific steps do we need to take in order to get to the goals that you have in your business? So what's the common thread that you see speaking to tradespeople in their businesses, I guess in different levels of businesses that you see that they're making mistakes on? Like what is, what is that constant thing that they're doing? So I think there's a few things. Unfortunately, it's not one answer. I know I, I was think. expecting that. Yeah. 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 So I think once you, let's say you get over the mindset stuff, right. And you decide, okay, yeah, I'm going to look at my numbers. Maybe you haven't even engaged somebody yet. I think it's consistency in looking at it. So it is also accountability is a big thing. Um, I will say, so one of my service offerings is kind of one time I come in, do a deep dive and like, I give you exactly like what you need to do in your business. And it's a no commitment. It's a one time, I spend five hours. We like really go into what your goals are, develop stuff you need. And often they come back because they're like, well, I didn't do the things. Like I need you to actually push me a bit in terms of creating accountability of executing on the action items and really reviewing this stuff regularly. So when you have somebody engaged, I'm coming in every month and we have a call there's no option. I'm going to show you your numbers. We're looking at dashboards. I'm going to talk about what are the action items from last time that you were supposed to do? Did you do them? And like, what do we see now in the numbers? What did that translate to? So I think accountability is a big thing. Consistency is the other one. Um, you know, but there's nuances, obviously, um, in blue collar businesses. I think it's reviewing the right information. Um, so it's, focus on the right stuff and don't get distracted by the other. So there are kind of, I call it the critical four in any business, regardless if you're blue collar or you might be, I don't know, a retail storefront that's selling t-shirts. Okay. Um, but there's four critical metrics that I think need to be looked at. Now, also in the construction trade, I will say on top of that, the whip report is like no option, right? That like, you need to understand where you are with jobs, where you're heading, being able to understand where you are from a collection standpoint, because if you don't have the whip report and you're not updating it and reviewing it at least weekly, I think you're going to fall short fairly quickly in collecting the money that you need. Um, so the other, the, the critical four are really revenue. So that's reviewing your pricing. And I think in this space, job costing is such a huge thing, right? Yeah. So if you do not have the systems in place to do accurate job costing and listen, there's an element of overruns. There's going to be a process to bill for those. Um, it's making sure you've got the right legal agreements to support that stuff, but making sure you have the right systems in place to appropriately price at the beginning. So you're not uh, in a position where halfway through the job, you're realizing like in order to finish this, we're really going to lose a lot of money. So revenue is number one. And that flows really closely into gross margin, which is literally just your direct cost in order to execute on the job. So it's usually time and materials, right? So being able to estimate that, and you don't have a crystal ball, right? Like you can't get exact 
So it is being as precise as you can. It's learning from your previous experience on those types of jobs and these types of customers, kind of what do we think it's going to be? Then it's net profit. So looking at your operating costs, things like equipment, things like rental, uh, things like legal costs, things like accountants. So in order to operate your business, you obviously want to incorporate those costs as well to determine if you're going to be profitable on the bottom line and be able to start to take distributions, right? Like nobody goes into business as a glorified hobby of not wanting to make money. At the end of the day, the numbers are going to help you get to the financial goals that you have, whether it's for your family or for the business in general. And the last metric, which I would say it's always cash is king, is looking at your cash flows, really understanding because it, it doesn't always match, right? I can look at my bank statement and say, oh, wow, I've got this money in the bank. I can afford to buy this new truck. And then not realizing, well, actually, next week I have an annual insurance payment due. And just understanding kind of what the landscape looks like, where your cash is going to be and where you're comfortable holding enough cash because as we know, seasonality, fortunately, is probably another big one, right? Where you need to be able to prepare for that. So how much cash reserve do I need on hand to be able to survive the months where it's potentially going to be slower? I'm curious, Lauren, did did you see in the last three years, because of the funny years that we've had recently, did a lot of tradespeople and small business owners expand too much? Did they predict a, a really profitable future? So I would say for my clients specifically, I try to err on the side of being conservative in terms of the advice that I'm giving. So at the end of the day, it's their decisions as the CEO, you have to own kind of where you're going to go from a path perspective, but it is making sure to update as frequently as you can based on the information you have. So I would say not necessarily too much, but I have seen where, needing to make decisions on the people front has been a really hard, difficult thing recently of letting people go or reducing workforce based on demand. Um, Obviously you've got some economic impact from things like increased capital costs too, right? Um, So you've got a lot of different factors that have kind of weave in together. So I would say be comprehensive, I think is my point is be as detailed as you can have as much information as you can in your cash flow specific to your business um, as you can before you're making decisions because to your point if you're not monitoring that stuff you can make decisions that ultimately aren't going to be beneficial to your business in the long term and if you're again not using your numbers and what they're trying to tell you about your business you're going to fall short pretty quickly Using digital platforms in our industry is becoming more common, especially among the young folks, because it improves efficiency, prevents mistakes, and overall makes our lives as contractors easier. This is why we partnered with Connect Team, a platform built to manage, train, and communicate with your team. Connect Team's desktop version gives managers a live overview of the business to track work hours, create schedules, make sure the business meets compliance, and so much more. Employees just download the app to their mobile to clock in and out, share safety reports, and get updates all in one place, ensuring they've got what they need to perform at their best. Connect Team has a free plan and a 14-day free trial. Try them today by checking out the link in the show notes. Is it true that um, I kind of look at this sometimes where um, certain tradespeople will expand um, based on ego instead of mm-hmm. cash flow? And where I'm, yeah. where I'm going with that is what I mean is that they'll want the fancy new fill in the blank, right? Just because I guess they want to present the idea that their business is growing really well 
on an outside. And that's not what they should be doing. They should be factoring in that, listen, if I'm ready to expand, I have a certain amount of cash flow. I've got a nice little business nest egg. And if I consider purchasing this shiny new, whatever it is, um, will that thing make me profitable? Will it make me money? So they should basically sit down and data dump, analyze I guess the path of that shiny new thing and to see where it's going to go. And the idea of it being presented on an ego platform shouldn't even be a part of that data dump and analytics. You know what I mean? It should just be more about the business, right? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things we spend a lot of time on when establishing what the business owner's goals are, are the why, right? So we dig into, okay, Manny, you want your business to grow revenue by 20%. Well, let's talk about why. Like what's the kind of underlying reason? And when we start to pull the layer back a little bit, if it ultimately is ego and the numbers don't sit together, then I'm going to advise against making that decision. Um, and we actually talk a bit about this, even in terms of timing of expenses and things like that. One of the things recently I put out on social was talking about actually moving forward some expenses and buying some equipment um, in the current year to reduce the tax liability. But I also said, like, that's very highly dependent on if we think that's going to generate revenue, right? Like the shiny new thing, you have to incorporate like lead time on getting it up to speed. Maybe there's like, I'll call it like an onboarding period, right? Like maybe it's not going to work right away. You're not going to use it right away. So if it's sitting dormant and what are the costs associated with maintenance on something like that, right? So it's really making sure any like hidden costs are incorporated as well. If you're looking to do, I'll call it like a bigger transaction in your business. I'm I'm just curious, Lauren, why do you love accounting? Why do you like, I mean, this, (laughs) this is the one thing that most of us, I have yet to meet a tradesperson business owner that loves it you know what i mean and i know you guys you love it and so i just want to get a sense on why do you love it <laughs> okay so i think let's separate the accounting versus like what we can do with it sure i don't i mean genuinely like no one loves debits and credits no one loves like <laughs> numbers it, it's just it's something that i found to be good at when i was in college it was like oh what what subjects did you like in high school it was like math okay try this oh I get it. All right, let's go. I'm always going to have a job. Okay, sign me up. Right. So I spent, you know, five years in college, got my CPA license and spent almost, you know, 20 years in public accounting serving multi-billion dollar corporations. Um, For me, when I went out on my own, I was really lacking impact. And that's where I think my love and my passion comes in. Um, And I say that in the context of I sit in New Jersey. So I was serving um, pharmaceutical companies for a lot of my time in my career. And for me, there's such a huge misalignment with values. You know, they're churning out billions of dollars, um, making people sick and under the illusion that they're making them healthy. Mm. And for me, it was, how do I take this skill set, everything I have learned, analyzing financial statements, seeing so many different transactions, mergers, acquisitions, bankruptcies on this huge scale, and be able to provide that value of using numbers and making decisions to like the smaller guys. How do I bring that expertise and create impact for someone to be able to meet their goals of sending their daughter to college or their wife who works in the business, maybe spending less time on it and being able to spend more time at home. If I can take that expertise from a financial standpoint and help you hire and create benefits for an entire family, right? Like, it just, the impact is feels so different 
doing fractional CFO work versus what I was doing before in public accounting. So I would say that's where the passion comes. It's like, these numbers don't have to be complicated. I think people avoid it. It feels elusive, but like I can make it digestible and we can really use this to your advantage to help your business thrive and do better and grow and meet those goals. And like, for me, that's what feels so satisfying. You know, Lauren, like when you get on social media and and I don't know how much time you spent on there. And as I get older, I try to spend less time on it, but you get a lot of people talking about make your list of goals that you want to achieve. Right. And I, and I, you know, they start talking about how make that list of 20, 25 goals that you want to try to achieve in the next year. We're coming to the end of the year. So obviously everyone starts talking about resolutions and all kinds of things like that. Um, but I get the sense that speaking to a person like you and talking about fractional, you almost want to try to make that list of goals and then create a side by side list of fractional goals and start putting some real numbers attached to those goals. And then now you can financially move forward with those goals. Do you like, would you recommend doing that? Yeah, that's exactly what we do when we do a cash flow, and and we try to limit, I'll say, annual goals to like usually three. Like, listen, we can't boil the ocean, so it's let's be specific on like, <laughs> like what that. are the most important ones we want to get to, yeah. and how do we get there? So we'll take the goals and literally have the action items and the the KPIs, which are key performance indicators yep. that support those. So it's understanding, okay, what are the action items we have to take in order to get there? And to be honest, it's pretty easy mathematically to figure out like how to get to the goals and when we can get to the goals. So it's okay. My daughter's going to start college in the fall of 2024 and I need to have $50,000 extra to pull out of the business for the first semester. I have no idea what college it might not be too far off, but I have no clue. Um, Right. So it's figuring out, okay, in order for that to happen, we need to either cost cut, we need to bring in revenue and it's maybe only two more customers or two more jobs you need to do over this period of time. Like we can pretty easily translate it into what does that mean in terms of what you need to either bring in or cut from a a revenue perspective. So again, mathematically it's easy to do, but we have to bifurcate like each goal into one, how do we measure it? And two, what are we actioning relating to changing those numbers? And you just be very honest with yourself on these goals that you want to achieve. And also timelines associated with that too. So then you can look at what your financial outlook is like for your business. Because obviously everybody that gets into business, entrepreneurs, they get into business to grow. They don't get into business for it to start to recede. So it's like if you're growing, then you have more opportunities. So you should be looking at your goals and achieving them. And then obviously coming up with bigger goals at that point, because after your daughter's graduating from school, the next big goal is going to be purchasing a house and contributing and helping her or him with that goal. So it's going to constantly be happening. So if you can better prepare yourself, I'd love for you to share with the listeners on. And unfortunately, this still happens. You get a lot of small business owners in construction that will make notes on pieces of two by four. And that's what they think is a legitimate notepad. And, and like, what do you want us to bring you when they're first looking yeah. at their situation and they're looking at their business and they're like, you know what? I'm not happy with my paperwork that's being done. I probably have gone to some big box, so to speak, you know, two letters starts with H and, and whatever, you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And they're yes. not, they don't really care about you. That's the problem is that I think you quickly learned that they don't really care about you. So you care about them and you want 
to tell them, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go home, go to your shop, go to your truck, clean all the receipts from the dash, clean it from the bench, whatever. I just, what do you want us to do to start this process so I can reevaluate my business to make it go on a much more positive path? Yeah, so a couple things. First is bookkeeping has to be up to date. So you have to have some financial record. And listen, it doesn't have to be, uh, I prefer my clients to be on QuickBooks Online, uh, but there's other options, right? If you're not even going to a fractional CFO and you just want a handle on your numbers, having your bookkeeping up to date. So that's, listen, you can get really good bookkeepers for a decent price to come and do a cleanup, even if they need to do it from the beginning of the year, even if you need to do last year's, like it's never too late. Um, to get your bookkeeping up to date. And here we are, I'm not sure when this is going to air, but we are sitting here in December that, you know, ultimately you can get a full year of cleanup for a fairly decent price. So yeah. first is get that cleaned up because you need to have some chart of accounts and some financial statements in order to start to look at numbers. So bookkeeping is number one. Number two is you're talking about like receipts and things in trucks. The other thing that I bring to the table, I spent a lot of time looking at business processes. So I am so passionate about creating efficiencies for people and making life easier. I will say I've had clients that are still writing paper checks, right? Getting invoices, printing stuff. Like there are so many automated and good time savers yes. that like are quick wins, such quick wins that like when I bring somebody on, like if I can implement like implement bill.com for them to like click a button and pay a vendor and be okay with it versus on their phone versus having to, you know, grab the mail and write a check and do all this extra work. Like it's going to save someone on your team. If it's not you, it's someone else some time for sure. So now to create some efficiencies so we can free people up to work on the more meaningful stuff, to work on the things that are going to get you to your goals. So for me, I think it's, we spend a ton of time asking questions about how do you do your receivables process? Like take me through the customer journey beginning to end, take me through like your supplier process as well. You know, when you're doing bids and you're figuring out who you're going to go with and from beginning to end, what does that look like? So I would say it, it is what it is at this point, right? Like you've made the decisions, it, the mess can't be undone, right? So again, it's going back to our first point about ego. Yeah. It's just admitting like, here's what it is and I need help getting there. So it may have to be engaging several professionals in order to do that. Maybe I need, again, a bookkeeper and I need a fractional CFO, let's say 60 days later, right? Because we got to do kind of a cleanup and get things going. But I think it's just making sure to bring honesty and you know, vulnerability of the fact that you need some help and you want to be on a better path because to your point about growth, the way to get there is like not dealing with, you know, a two by four with some notes on it and then trying to find it later, right? It's literally being able to look at something that's easily digestible, make decisions and have efficiencies and not be spending time on things that feel silly. And I think everybody, myself included, like we've, we've done those boxes it could be banker boxes it could be just an amazon box it could be whatever and we're just dumping everything in there and at first when you're looking at it you're like this is such a daunting task but i want to remind all the skilled trades people that are listening building a home is such a daunting task but we still pull that off really well so it's just a matter of steps so just take your time grab the broom and the dustpan separate all these receipts separate every all the information that this other person like yourself needs to see and then categorize it 
put it into different you know sections and then go here this is what i'm looking at fuel office marketing all that stuff and then give it to you and now it's doesn't look like a daunting task anymore yeah and to the extent right that you can use like company credit cards and company bank accounts to just swipe and yes you need receipts for support for for tax time but like at the end of the day, if the transactions are in electronic form that you swiped either a debit card or a credit card, that can be synced straight to your bookkeeping software. Yeah. And like, you just have to categorize it literally like, and it'll start to learn, okay, you go to Sunoco for gas. So now every time I have a Sunoco transaction, I'm going to put it in the gas line. You don't even have to touch it. Yeah. So it's, it's the system starts to learn a bit in terms of your spending habits, but it's so easy to sync up your financial transactions into your bookkeeping software. And it's again, pretty easy. The biggest challenge that I have these days is because um, good or bad, how you look at it, you get a lot of the older trades that are getting out of the industry and they're still on carbon. You know what I mean? They're still pulling out a notepad with a carbon pad and they're handwriting their invoice. And then they're, they're forgetful. They don't submit it in time. Then the bookkeeping is being done properly on the business that they're working for, the builder that they're working for. And then like, we asked you for this months ago and now you're given to us. We've already closed out that job. So we have to figure this out, which becomes a headache. So I guess communication wise, is how do we convince these old dogs get away from the carbon? Like we don't need the carbon anymore. Yeah. I think it's setting expectations up front that like, we're not living in an age of carbon anymore. Right. Yeah. I wouldn't even put it in the terms and conditions as to like what the expectations are of how they're going to deliver the invoices. So if you put that up front and like, I think it's just, them letting go of that mindset is really hard. Um, and it's, there's a better way. And I know people try to stay away from technology as much as they can, if they're not familiar with it, but truly explaining to them the benefit that you see on other jobs and dealing with other trades. So they have an appreciation for how much time it's saving and like, Hey, listen, if you need help getting set up on electronic invoicing, like either recommend a professional that can help them through the process and keep it simple, or even just the system that potentially you use. I think it's giving them a little bit of education as well as some like tangible things, tools to use to do it. Yeah. Cause it's just, I think that they're afraid to, as much as they hate the younger trades coming up to them and asking them about the trade, they hate the fact that they got to go to the younger trade to ask them about this whole payment process, because you know, these older dogs, they have it in their mindset. They know exactly from the moment that they receive the physical check and they deposit into the bank. They know when that check is going to get clear. Like they know that whole process when you can try to explain to them, get rid of the carbon, gets a transfer, you get an e-transfer, you get an electronic funds transfer. And then all of a sudden those funds are put in your account right away. That's a lot faster and smoother and everything's better. So I think it's just a, an educational. And I, I like the idea that you suggested, just put it in the terms. So when you have the agreement, you get the, the estimate, you go, by the way, this is when scope is complete. This is when you're going to get paid. Simple as that. It's yep. done. And put away the carbon. We don't need it anymore. Contractors, it's time to empower your business with Shelter Tech implementation. Shelter is offering a free meeting to tackle your biggest pain points head on. Their goal, to develop a custom company app that's built just for you, solving your pain points, streamlining your processes, making your workday smoother. Here's the scoop. There's a $15,000 digital adoption grant available, and Shelta is an expert at helping you secure it. This isn't just funding. It's your stepping stone into a new era of digital efficiency. By your second meeting, you'll get a tailor-made company playbook, a software prototype designed with your input, project tracking, real-time budget management, and daily logs all integrated into a single app. It's tech that works for you, not the other way around. Shelta isn't just offering tech, they're offering transformation. Join the community of 93 subcontractors who have already stepped up their game with Shelta Tech. 
Two meetings, countless opportunities. Ready to make a move? Visit Shelta.app. Let's pave the way to a smarter, tech-driven future. Shelta Technology, custom tech solutions for the modern contractor. Yes. I, I'd love, Lauren, for you to share some, some, I guess, big or small missed opportunities in everybody's business that they might not even be aware of. Yeah. Um, so I think when you talked about growth and you were talking about kind of the cash reserve piece, I think it's that concept is missed quite a bit of like, I call it the emergency fund, but in a seasonal business, it really isn't even the emergency fund. To me, it's making sure, again, that you're not making decisions on expansion if you do not have the foundation set, if you do not have the proper amount of cash on hand and then make decisions, you cannot get to those goals because they say statistically it takes even as little as two months of negative cash flow for businesses to go out of business. It can happen so fast. So it truly is making sure from a cash perspective, you have built enough to be able to support your business, to support those decisions. So I think that is probably one of the biggest ones. I'm trying to think the, the hidden cost one feels like one that a lot of people miss of like insurance and yeah. training Everything. and like, yeah, that like, again, being comprehensive when you're thinking through these decisions is like just a big miss. So it's, again, that's the importance of looking at your previous experience and like where you've incurred costs and making sure that we incorporate that into what we think it's going to look like on a go forward. Okay, so now we are talking construction. So unfortunately that there are a lot of um, not very good business people um, and they're swimming in debt. And so they're just being drowned by debt. And then all of a sudden, once they get drowned by debt, because they haven't been made to pay attention to the jobs, they haven't been assessing the workflow as, as it's been going on a weekly, monthly, or whatever it is. And then all of a sudden, the tax man starts to show up and they start realizing, well, you owe us this now. So now they start getting more threats. Like, how do you recommend uh, handling that situation? Yeah, I think prioritization of your costs and where your money is going to go is um, the important part of this process. I will say one thing that I don't think people appreciate as much as they should, at least here in the States, I don't know if it's true in Canada, so you're going to have to be correct. I'll but, let you know. Sure. Um, the ability to be flexible with the IRS here in the US. Totally, same like thing go here. On a, go on a payment plan, right? Yes. As long as you commit to something, even like, it doesn't mean they need the all of the cash immediately. Like you can negotiate and you can get to a point where it's, okay, I'll keep them satisfied, but making sure you're not solvent with a bank might be more important or you have a litigation matter that you're dealing with, right? So I think it's truly understanding like which one's gonna put me out of business and like, I need to pay that one first, right? And so I think- do you, don't be so scared when you get the letter from the tax folks knocking on the door for X amount of money, even if it feels scary. The other thing is just engaging the right professional to make sure those numbers are right. Sometimes I've seen they're claiming a certain amount from the government and like, that's not even the right number. Yeah. So it's making sure that you get to the right number, agree with the authorities, and then potentially explore their flexible options of going on payment plans because you have to prioritize like ultimately like where's the fire and where do I, I need to put that one out first. Yeah, I agree with you. It's it's exactly the same here in Canada with our CRA, right? It's just the worst thing you can do is ignore them. 
and not address yeah. it. The best thing you can do is start addressing it. And obviously it's their job, both sides of the border here. It's their job to try to find as many, many errors in your bookkeeping. And it's your job to find as few errors in your bookkeeping. So it's like their job to prove that you owe us money and your job to prove that we don't owe that money. As long as you're communicating with each other, that's the best thing you can do. And they're not there to just destroy you as a human being. They're just there to collect what they think they deserve to collect. But they, you guys should also be looking at your business and going, there might be missed opportunities there tax-wise. So there could be a lot yeah. of expenses that you put on forward that you didn't really declare because you didn't have the right accountant helping you. You didn't have the right person guiding you. So now if you get somebody, and that's why I've always encouraged, like you guys pride yourselves on building a business where you're, you're delivering quality. You should be doing the exact same thing. We've had plenty of professionals on here regarding your accountant, your lawyers, everybody, all kinds of stuff. You should be looking for the best advice from these groups and not be afraid of the money that's associated with that advice because you're charging the same thing and you're doing the same thing when it comes to the skills and the work that you're doing. So just don't ignore them, confront it, discuss it, have a communication. That's it. Simple as that. Yeah, absolutely. I think it is ensuring that the communication is happening and then with the person that you're engaging to help you maybe with the audit or with a cleanup it's just again giving them all of the information that you have making sure whichever accountant you are using you have the returns you have the information from them and keeping that on record is important even if you weren't happy with that service but like any vendor if you are paying someone for a service like you should be getting what you're paying for right about quality it's shop around get a couple quotes meet a couple different accountants and see who you like who might be recommended by someone that you trust right so it's evaluating you know, the service that you're getting and are they going to support you during an audit? That's one of the, like the basic questions I would ask a tax accountant when I'm interviewing them. One, do you have experience in this specific trade, this business? Two, what's the support going to look like? Three, what's the timing on deliverables? So it's really just making sure to do your diligence on what to expect from someone who's providing you a service. Occasionally, I like to upset certain people, so I want to just try to upset genders here. And I do want to say, based on my experience, women are much better with numbers. And if you are going to look for a new accountant, someone to help you financially and set out your goals and everything like that, I'm going to tell you, you might want to entertain women more than men. I'm not dismissing the men in the industry. I'm just saying they're good, but I just find that the women are better. I'm just going to say that so you guys get because because of the trades that I've worked with and I've spoken to them, I've always asked them who they use when it comes to accounting and bookkeeping services. And a lot of female names come up, which kind of gives me some sight. And then also when I look at businesses and how they're running things, I ask them who's actually taking care of a lot of your managing and office and prep and cleanup. It's mostly women. So it's like I get it. The men are great on site but the women are great on the business and they're helping out and they're only there to help you out, right? So I'm not dismissing the, the male accountants out there. I'm not. I'm just saying that I think you should consider it if, if you are not doing it, if you're not happy with who you are. Um, that's it. Don't hold it to me, but I mean, my experience is when I've spoken to people, a lot of bright women dealing with numbers and they've been helping businesses yeah. grow, which is like, that's the whole point here. We want to grow the businesses. We want to make them as efficient as possible. We want to save as much money as we possibly can. We want to pay our fair share of taxes. We want to just operate and build and grow the business. And I think that women can help with that. 
That's it. Simple. Yeah. I think it's organizational skills. Yes. And like as a single mom and working full time, like the ability to multitask as well goes into that. And I also think communication. Yes. Right? I think it's how we present the information, how we can kind of muscle through what we need to and be able to communicate it in a way that might be a little different. You're not afraid to tell us the truth. Nope. Like <laughs> if you see something, you'll be like, listen, here's a thought. This is what I would suggest, recommend, what have you. And, and then let them compute it. And then they'll realize, hang on a sec, that's a good idea. I'm going to try doing that now. And then I'm going to move forward. Right. So that's all. But, you know, send your letters to me. I will never read them if you're upset by that comment. It doesn't matter to me. Right. <laughs> but no, that's because I think it's valuable information. I think that anybody who's in a business, a small business and operating and you've got employees and you're trying to expand, you should really be working on the business like you mentioned earlier, right? Like it's not, we're so stuck on working in the business that we need to be focusing, I would say 2X or 3X more on the business. I think we should be sitting down and instead of at the end of the work day, the end of the work week, and we're just consumed and we have all this stress on us, I think we should be going, hang on a sec, let me start with the first step. Let me start organizing my stuff. Let me try to get a good bookkeeper. Let me go online. Let's start organizing. And then just tackle it day by day, week by week. And before you know it, the quarter's ready to go. And then you take it to the next quarter. And then by the end of the year, you're like, you're prepared now instead of being totally scared by the end of tax season, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's to your point about in the business and on the business, building the right team for you yes. to step away from spinning the tools, right? And being on the job site nonstop, that it's um, the balance of that oversight you're providing potentially on the job versus sitting in the office and potentially working on the business stuff, the strategy, the goal setting, the reviewing the financials. So it's building the right team and having them engaged and trusting them to execute. Um, and there might be ebbs and flows, right? Sometimes you've got not great hires and you may need to yeah. spend more time in the business, but it's, you know, being able to have systems in place to even do the business stuff um, is really helpful because it's not, Oh, if I don't spend one day physically in the office, things fall apart that like, if you've got um, I'll say the it stuff set up, um, electronically to kind of monitor um, and keep this thing churning out good bookkeeping or like you said having a professional engaged to help doing you that doing that stuff as well that it's just going to set you up for success great I know that I've been reading recently I guess on your side of the border uh, your government right now is talking about um, eliminating hedge funds from purchasing single-family dwellings uh, to try to kind of curb the whole housing problem. We have the same exact housing problem going on here. I wanted to get some insight from you about, are there any new tax rules on your end? Because I'm not going to ask you about the Canadian side, uh, but are there any new things that they've been implementing in the last few years regarding tax and small business and that we should be aware of? Um, maybe not new, but I do think when we talk to missed opportunities, at least small businesses here in the U.S., I think there's a couple things. One is um, the Augusta rule, um, which is a rule where you can rent out um, part. So let's say your business, your office is in your home. Yeah. You can rent out part of your home for a certain amount of days and it can be tax deductible. Um there's also the S-Corp stuff is a big miss too. So like I started my business, I set up an LLC and I'm taxed as an LLC, as a sole proprietor. Once you hit a certain income level, you really should think about being taxed as an S-Corp because basically are paying 
payroll tax. So yeah. we've got right like Medicaid and things we have to contribute in our W-2s. So what this will do is eliminate some of the um, it, it shifts over to that where you're paying yourself based on that model versus there is a self-employment tax that gets added on. So basically you're paying federal, state, and then a self-employment tax when you are a an LLC versus the C Corp helps to eliminate some of that additional tax that you have. Um, so those are like the big, like current ones that I see typically are kind of a miss. I don't think there's anything kind of late breaking the, the only thing recently is really just the requirement to report um, the ownership to the IRS. And that's going to start in 2024, where for every LLC that you have set up, even if it was set up and you never used it, you have to submit a report to the government that says, okay, I own 80%. Manny actually owns 20% of it too. So like all of our information gets input and uploaded into the system. Um, that's the one thing that, again, it's not numbers, but it's ultimately like who's responsible for these so they can start to kind of match up um, who's getting listed as owners versus the income that you've you've reported in the past. I know that there's a lot of talk, Lauren, about you get a lot of the wealthy individuals setting up their taxes differently than, I guess, the middle class or lower class, right? And do we want to get into a little bit of that kind of information? Is it beneficial, I guess, when it comes to small business ownership and especially construction companies to not, I guess, have full ownership of that entity and put it someplace else so then you're just a, a shareholder of that? Do you want to touch upon that a little bit? Yeah. So I would say this perception with the wealthy that they pay zero in tax, I think you have to really, I always say like, you have to think about if you truly should be spending money to save money just in the government. So it's, again, understanding what you really need for, to pull out of your business. And then what's outside of that? Do we want to invest that in kind of tax-free transactions? Because that's ultimately what they try to do is to take any net income, right? And put that money into transactions that are going to be tax-free. But you have to remember, right, you still need to survive as a business. So I think it's, you can appreciate that. And if you've got a ton of money that you're looking to reinvest and not sit in this like cash bucket, right, if we're not in this feast or famine scenario of seasonality in the business, and hey, like, I don't know if I'm going to make payroll, and we're really looking at like an excess cash balance, I think it really should be worth exploring if you have some tax-free transactions where you can contribute to retirement or real estate transactions that you can do as well. So I think it's, you really have to evaluate where your position is. And if you are in an excess cash and income position, then, you know, strategizing really with a financial advisor, like where that should go. Attention contractors, welcome to the future of construction resource management with our platform, where you can easily buy, sell, or rent tools, equipment, and materials with fellow contractors. Say goodbye to wasted time and resources. Need that specialized equipment for a specific project or want to earn extra income from your underused resources? This platform has you covered. With its user-friendly interface and a vast network of trusted contractors, you'll find what you need or make your resources work for you seamlessly. Join the construction community that's changing the game. Visit them online at altlaborsolutions.com and start optimizing your resources today. Alt Labor Solutions, where contractors connect and resources thrive. I, I bring it up because I just I think I recently read maybe a couple of months ago an article about a Canadian corporation that moved their headquarters outside of Canada 
because of the tax, because the tax in that other country was a lot less than the tax. Here in Canada, I don't know exactly how it is in the U.S. there, but if you start making over, I think, the sum of 150000 or something like that, you start getting taxed at a 53% tax bracket now. So more than half of you, yeah, I know, which is really, like, brutal. It's just bad. So you get these corporations. It's disgusting. It's absolutely disgusting. So you get these corporations that move their headquarters to another country just to avoid having to pay that. And I know that... um, Early on, Nike was doing something similar to that, where their main headquarters wasn't in the U.S. and they were licensing the use to sell their products in the U.S. And so they were, it's not about tax-free, it's about reducing the amount of tax that you pay, legally speaking. So a lot of these, why can't the small business owners actually do that as well? Yeah, there's going to be legal requirements, right? So a lot of big corporations do do that. In my time in public, I've seen it a ton. A lot of investment in Ireland's a pretty low tax jurisdiction area um, where, you know, again, you have to have transactions happening between entities. It gets complicated really quickly. So if, you know, that's something worth exploring if you're at that size, I mean, it really, you have to get a tax advisor that can exactly tell you like, hey, here's what we can legally do. Here's the documentation we have to keep. A lot of it is about um, the contracts that you're keeping between the entities that you have. So it's making sure that that trail and like all the contracts, all the um, letters of incorporation of wherever you are establishing your business really are clear and set and within the confines of the rules. Does that make your life working with us so much harder and it does it create red flags for the irs and cra on our end um potentially yes on the last question it depends um if we can pretty easily identify like i'll call them intercompany transactions so if you have like two two entities set up and there's transactions between the two like i know that's not important to like the external financial health of your business right that i really should be eliminating that stuff when i look at it and we keep all the bookkeeping like in the same system we can tell that they're related i think there's just a good way to again organize and keep it clean if as clean as you can um, from a system perspective as well to keep it you know pretty easily trackable and the metrics still meaningful for your business overall I'm, I'm not I'm not ignoring you, Lauren. When I look away, I'm writing notes and stuff like that because I'm in my 50s and I just forget things. So it's easier for me to write. Down. <laughs> but I just wanted to ask you, I, I can you answer like this age old question? I've always had this argument ever since I got into construction, whether to buy or lease and you'll get certain trades will be like, no, I want to buy that new dump truck because it's really important. No, I want to lease that new dump truck because it's better for your business where you stand on that like when it comes to the shiny new things that certain i don't know who's who i don't know who's right i I just want to get your opinion on that it depends like and that's such an accountant answer really is and i use it all the time it's fine um it depends right in the market like what to be honest you can look at the two scenarios and look at your cash flow and say okay which one's more beneficial like how long am i going to really need this thing um what's the rates i'm going to get from a financing or from a leasing perspective like you just really got to crunch the numbers and think about well is there going to be resale value like what are we doing with it you know a few years from now so i think it's walking through the scenarios based on what the market conditions are at this point in time and making a decision should. And, and I love for you to give me not a depends answer, but when, okay, you know, guys in the construction industry, they love walking into tool shops, right? They just, 
they'll just walk into a tool shop. For, they don't need a tool. They just like walking through a tool shop. Should you be inside their head going, do you really need to buy that item? Or like, well, how would you answer that when they're walking through okay. tool shops? So first, I hate to be the joy killer. Like, as a, as an <laughs> I want you to like, be. I totally want you to be. I know. But I will say sometimes like you need a cheerleader too. Like I will celebrate the wins with you guys as well. It's not just about like reeling you in, being like the nagging wife. It's like, no, don't mind <laughs> no, that, no, right? No. Like, I, I promise. Um, but it's funny because I say as the nagging wife, like I literally in my garage, the amount of duplicate tools that exist <laughs> is just like completely unhealthy. I'm <laughs> just like, how many of these you know, electrical testers did we need, right? Like it just doesn't make any sense because one human being can only use so many. Um, so I would say oh, within reason. Okay. Right? Like, within so reason. I think, I think it's, there should be a budget, right? So like we're going to do a cash flow projection and it doesn't mean you just go and spend whatever you want, whenever you want. Now, if you're on a job site and there's something you really need and you end up in the, in the store and there's a few things that you see that you may need within, again, a reasonable price and you're going to use it, it's fine, right? Like we're not talking typically huge expenses, but they do add up pretty quickly. Yes, they so. do. And I, and I would encourage, you just gave me an idea. I totally would encourage all trades people to maybe speak to the bookkeeper or yourself about creating a spreadsheet of everything that you have tool-wise. It doesn't matter how small of a tool it is, just so that then you're aware of everything that you have because it's easy to be on the job site and going, I thought I had this. I thought it was in the truck. I thought it was there. And then you just can't find it, but you, you don't know. So maybe organize all that stuff. And you candidly don't want stuff to go missing from your employees. Like you like to think that everybody you hire is honest and has a good heart, but to be honest, right guys, swipe stuff from job of sites course, all totally, the time. Right. So I, I totally agree with you. No, it's just because guys are famous for that stuff, right? They're just like, I'll just, spend five minutes in there and then come out with a thousand ten thousand dollar bill at that point there was a guy recently actually he just reached out to me and he goes yeah i'm gonna make a stop and and then he started giving me the grocery list of what he needed to buy and it was getting up to like twenty five thousand dollars because he's got a pretty big business so he was thinking about how many employees and how many so it wasn't just going in there buying. he was talking about buying 10 grinders and i'm like okay so you're just gonna re-outfit everybody and go and he he felt justified he was just like okay i need to get all this stuff it's time to do it we need to expand but i mean he's conscious of his cash flow he understands his business so he's he's already getting the advice from people like yourself so he knows that he needs to make this expense because there's certain projects coming down the pipe so they have to they have to be prepared for it at that point so i was just yeah, I was yeah just absolutely totally and to your point about that inventory of like what equipment and tools you have on hand it's like well is there an opportunity to even sell some of the old stuff that we might not be using anymore right there might be some small shops that are happy to take used tools so it's like really just thinking strategically about okay if we all need this new stuff like will someone take the old stuff is there an opportunity to you know get rid of some of that i, I will say this none of the younger gen generation trades that are coming into the business will touch a tool that has a cord on it if you try to just give it away, they will not take it. It has a cord on it. They don't want to touch it. And then they're That's questioning wild. about the battery platform. It depends on what battery platform they are, what brand they are, right? And, uh, and then they start questioning that at that point. And I'm like, people are giving the tools for free and you don't even want it because it's got a cord or if it's a different color battery, maybe you should have a little bit of a reassessment there, right? Yeah, I think... Um and this may age me a bit, but like this younger generation coming up, it just, 
the, shiny new the, things. You were talking about like shiny new things, right? This perception that like there's this glamorous side of this. It's like, no, you're going to have to roll up your sleeves. It's going to get dirty. You're going to have to work hard. Um, guys in construction and the trades like truly have one of the best worth, work ethics I've ever seen in my life. And like, if you don't have that to start with, uh, you're going to be in for a rude awakening. I was telling a lot about a lot of people on the show earlier on where we saw the vehicle leasing rates just like stupid double digits you know getting over the pandemic years and i was cautioning everybody do not agree to buy a brand new vehicle with that kind of interest rate it's not going to benefit you and and here we are now at the end of it uh, after it and and now you're hearing stories about how you know dodge rams 3500s you can there's a waiting period like you, you they have a surplus of 700 plus days of trucks. So there's that many trucks waiting that they can get rid of. It will still take you 700 plus days to get rid of the inventory that they have going on right now. But mind you, a year and a half, two years ago, you were probably paying 10% interest rate on a brand new Dodge 3500. And so they were benefiting, but now you're stuck with that vehicle. So if you did make that mistake of purchasing brand new, shiny new thing, you should have reassessed it at that point because now you can't even get rid of it. You're stuck at that point. So it's the same thing with the tools, the same thing with everything. I think it's really about the messaging of getting these tradespeople to spend the same amount of effort they do with the tape measure and the saws and the pencil on the site with the bookkeeping, with the paper, with the business. I think that's really critical. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And before, right? Way before. before. And, into- and prepare. Yeah. Like they should, like even before, I, I know that I see a lot of younger trades they're, they're making that move on good terms. They leave their employer and then they want to go on their own. And I think at that point, when you are start having that conversation with your employer saying, I'm going to go, I'm going to try this out. You should already be speaking to someone like you. You should be speaking to a lawyer. You should start speaking to all these professionals to get a sense of what you're in store for. Right. And be pre- better prepared for it too. And then speak to a bunch of other trades that have actually gone that path and maybe it hasn't worked out and they might give you some insight on what works, what doesn't work. Um, and we've talked a lot about, you know, these pitfalls and everything happens and it's, it's really easy to get sucked into. I've got a lot of work coming in, but I don't know for certain if I'm profitable and you yeah. won't know until you actually speak to a person like yourself that you are actually making money off these projects that you're booking and that's just a hard pill to swallow sometimes because you think you're making money because the cash flow is coming in, transfers are happening, flows there, you're paying your employees, but then all of a sudden one little mistake, delay, and now it costs you more, and then a problem costs you more, and then now you're not making money at that point. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this perception of sometimes like the lower level employees that it's glamorous at the top, right? Has no idea what the back end looks like. It's, you know, they're used to potentially like a super coming on site and pressuring them to finish the job and not buy more materials and like giving them the financial pressure and like the appreciation for what the margins really look like. They have no clue. They have no clue. Do you, I mean, cause you're, you're kind of in the same boat that we are like you're small business owner, entrepreneur. Yeah. Do, do you prefer handling be, I guess it's going to be more personal with the clients instead of being in the corporate side of things where you were probably just another number and you were taking care of what you had to take care of. But are you going to be at this for a while? Like this is where you're going to stay. Are you going to go back into the corporate world at that point? No, no. Yeah. For me, um, I'll say right now in my business, like the client service piece of working in my business is 
truly where I feel passionate. But as I hire more CFOs, right, they can do client service for me and I can be more at the top level of like doing the more managing stuff. Um, but I get so much out of interacting with the business owners and I love being able to hear about their businesses, hear their stories and create impact that for me, it's hard to let go of that a little bit because I truly love that piece of it. It's the interactions, the communication, the adding value, the um, explaining something and seeing the light bulb go off, yeah. like understanding something that was elusive to them before. Um, so yeah, for me, my long-term plan is absolutely to be still in this game. It's just a matter of growing my firm and bringing on CFOs to serve more clients, create more impact in more communities and in more businesses. I'm sure that you get a kick out of seeing I guess a business that wasn't very well organized and watching it grow after a year or two and seeing where the potential is going. How far down the line do you start having conversations with your clients? Like, do you go 10 years into the future and thinking this is where the business could go or how far? Yeah. So it's, it's really about, again, where the goals are. So let's say, I don't know, you're looking to retire and you want to sell the business in like five years, right? So like maybe that's the mark. So it really depends on kind of what your vision is, you can set 10 year goals, right? I don't know that we need to look at the financials all the way out. I would say um, looking at least at a year worth of detailed financial information and how that fits into the five, 10 year goal is important for sure. So I think if you have an idea big picture where you want this to head and maybe it's handed down to your son at some point in time, right? But you want to grow it by, you know, however many X revenue or people or whatever the metric is that is important, what condition you want it to be in. I think it it really drives what the answer to that is. The construction industry is very isolated. As a matter of fact, we work under extreme stresses on the daily. Our industry is a taker. It takes a lot but it gives very little in return to our people. And I find that a crying shame. It's also among the many reasons why I founded the Constructors Guild, a community for those who build them. So if you're a construction professional looking to surround yourself with like-minded individuals, people who share some of the same core values, you're willing to put yourself in first position, you are supportive and generous with your wisdom, this might be the group for you. Check me out on LinkedIn or check us out at constructorsguild.com. Can we talk a little bit about um, the lovely write-offs that just, I guess it happens on both sides of the border, right? With you guys and also, and I know Canada has, has been slowly clamping down on the amount of write-offs that we can submit, especially those those really lovely dinner meetings that we've been having and going out and then submitting these invoices and these receipts of these um, get togethers. Um, are there limits on your end that you know of that people should be aware of not to spend so much and not to create red flags regarding write-offs on expenses? Yeah, I think it's um, think a little bit strategically sometimes about like the vendor names, right? If you're going to, I don't know what potentially could a be bar. misconstrued as a strip club. Right? Oh, like okay. I wasn't even going to go there. Okay. Yeah. All right. A Canadian ballet, if you will. Right? <laughs> um, <laughs> that if, you know, so it's just a little bit of, you know, it's questionable. <laughs> strategic choice making about who the vendors are. But I think it's really for us in the U S it's what's ordinary and necessary. And if you can, 
clearly document like what was talked about at the meal, like who was there, you were talking about marketing, you were talking about, I don't know, conversion rates for your marketing funnels because you guys are doing some email campaign and like you can pretty easily say exactly what was discussed. It's to your point about taking notes, the more information you have on keeping the documentation, the easier it's going to be to be able to defend it. And like the dollar amount maybe isn't necessarily the context in terms of like owning a business, but it's more about like, Hey, I want to see all of it. And if I see a few in here that like, don't really kind of tie up and where you get into muddier waters, it's like on vacations yeah. and things like that. Travel expenses, destination right? weddings. So like, <laughs> yeah. Like, do I need to be at Disney world with my two kids to have this meeting? Probably not. Um, but I, you know, I worked on a client a while ago that actually sold like a Disney inspired activewear. So like her trips to Disney did make sense to write right. off on her taxes, right? So like it all is in the context of what your business is and d does this conceptually like support ordinary and necessary. With uh, construction getting so popular on social media and you got a lot of influencers on social media now. I remember my days before construction, I was in film production and I used to always get friendly with the actors and I remember one of them tell me and I was just like, it was a light bulb moment where they told me that their manicures, their haircuts, um, their pampering, their massages, they were all tax write-offs. I know you're, you're cringing, right? But in Canada, they were all tax write-offs because their product was their face, right? So that they can justify it, that this is what I was being paid a salary to be an actor, a performer. Is there a gray area now because you're getting social media influencers in construction where they're performing in front of these lenses? Or is IRS going to start looking at it going, no, you're a contractor, you're not an actor, can you please separate the two or is it a different business that you're going to have to set up to kind of create to or cater to the, uh, the look of you? Yeah. So I think even in like the actor space, it's a gray area. So like I'll use an example of, I don't know, let's say going on to an in-person podcast and I decide to buy a new blouse. Yes. Right. And it's, <laughs> is that, <laughs> am I able to write that off? But also thinking about, well, am I going to use that blouse like outside of the business? Having a logo on something is always like a great thing to do. So if I had like unconventional CFO services on my little fleece, probably something that I can write off. But like the manicure one, I'm always like, well, you're using that outside your business as well, right? So like it's not just for this one event for this podcast. I'm going to leave and like my nails are still going to be done. They're going to look nice for my everyday life. So the benefit truly isn't just for this yes yeah, so i have I to be careful right that like if there is a benefit that you're recognizing outside of the scope of your business i would say likely should not be included so would you recommend that maybe you split up the businesses at that point i'm not encouraging people to do this i don't i'm just expecting that some people might be trying to do this right i'm not doing it it's just i'm in front of the camera all the time and recording the shows yeah. but i'm not factoring that in um but i i just i've heard of certain people doing it because of this you're an entertainment performer now. That's the thing about sure. it. But yeah, I agree. Yeah. And I think it's find the accountant that matches your appetite for risk. Right. So if you <laughs> are one that's saying, okay, Manny, you want to write off your whole wardrobe? I'm happy to sign off on that and support you during an audit. 
Or you might have the one on the total opposite end of like, I'm not willing to do your tax return if you think you're writing this stuff off, right? Or somebody in the middle, right? So it's whatever you're feeling from an aggressive or not aggressive standpoint in your risk appetite as it relates to deductions, I would say find the professional that kind of matches that for you. Well, it kind of goes to like, I'm actually surprised that I'm seeing a lot more general contractors they're not driving in just regular pickup trucks anymore. I'm starting to see them driving G-Wagons and Porsches and R8s and even Lamborghinis. And I'm like, I don't get it. I don't see how that could actually not create a red flag because those vehicles are not really construction worthy. But I guess since the business is doing really well, I might as well ride in that. And then, but that's that's a flag, right? That's just not. That's yeah. Not, I think that's two things. Um, one is the perception of your employees, of you as a person, right? Like having all this lavish spending, 100%. I think. Yeah. Just feeding your ego versus like the morale of the guys who are like physically putting their bodies into what's making you money. I just, it's not a good look. No. Um, and then I think also too, it's like, even if you're going to wrap your logo on your Lamborghini, like... <laughs> Be careful. Be careful. <laughs> I, I'm laughing because I'm seeing it happen and I don't know if they're, well, they won't divulge if all of a sudden IRS starts to knock on the door and going, listen, we're questioning this little ticket item here. doesn't matter if you've been parking it on the job site. doesn't matter if you've been driving around and handling sales meetings and all kinds. It doesn't matter at that point, right? I think that's everything on my end, Lauren. Unless you want to share anything else, I'm just curious about what else that we should educate people about. That's all the financial stuff. I don't know if you want to get into some of the um, personal stuff. Has it it's, relates it's to- totally it's totally like I know that when we talked briefly, um, I, yeah. it's it's up to you. And I know that I've been doing the shows regarding mental health because I, I've seen it. I'm actually seeing it. Yeah. And, and, and I know that skills trades are um, not the best environment for a lot of people. And there's not a lot of um, positivity around supportive when it comes to it. So it's really up to you if you want to share what happened and um, it's very heart wrenching and, and I was really hard to hear about it, but I mean, I'm sure that it's um, you've gone through a lot, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I'd love to just pr- provide kind of our story sure. and some context on how I ended up in wanting to serve blue collar businesses, because honestly, I think, you know, I've listened to your episodes where you're talking about mental health. You're talking yeah. about some of the stuff I've dealt with on a personal perspective and to give context on kind of the other side of it, being a spouse, um, I'd love to be able to just give a point of view that I think, honestly, your audience might benefit from sure, just hearing yeah. our story and how we ended up where, where I am. Yeah, so I um, I married an electrician. He was a local three guy here in New York. So he worked big jobs, uh, bully work. He worked on bridges. He worked on big high rises. Um, and worked in the local for almost 20 years. Um, there was a history of substance abuse prior to us getting together. And, you know, he was sober for a very long time. Um, but my husband was injured on a job site, actually December of 2019. Okay. He was working on a um, building in Manhattan and there was some unsafe scaffolding. It was a rainy night and the scaffolding ended up getting condemned actually the following week, which is just really unfortunate that the safety was not there when he was on the job site. So he was out on workman's comp. He was out of work and injured his knee because of COVID at the time. The medical care he needed, he didn't get it kind of when he needed it. So what happened was he was scheduled to get surgery in February. So injury happened in December, February, he was supposed to get surgery and didn't end up getting it until 
Um, it was late May when he ended up getting knee surgery. To, yep, yeah. of 2020. Okay. Um, and when you take a man who is 6'5", 280, who is, needs to physically work, needs to be physically even in the gym to, you know, deal with some of the demons of dealing with addiction, that when you take that away, when you take away the sense of pride in providing for your family, yeah. um, it sent him down a really dark path. And even doing the rehab for his knee surgery, he went back to work for a very short time. Um, but to be honest, he self-medicated. So when the injury happened, he relapsed uh, back onto opiates and things were not good. And I'd never seen him relapse like this before. I will say historically, the local, I think, was good about giving the guys options for in-person rehab if they needed to, giving them the support of like taking time that they needed to, to deal with it because it is so pervasive in the electrical industry and the other trades as well. And this time it felt like we were a bit alone uh, because of the workman's comp, because of COVID, because of like, it's just the history and he went to inpatient. He went for 30 days. He was in the hospital for quite some time went back to work and like, he still was not himself that at that point in time, his mental illness had just taken such a turn that unfortunately in June of 2021, he took his own life. So here I was at 38, I was widowed with two children. You know, the person I had built my life with who literally put his body into his job was no longer there. So for me, when I was thinking about, you know, who can I serve and where do I want to create impact? And like, what are the types of businesses I can bring my financial expertise? It was like a no brainer for me that like, I want to serve the blue, the blue collar guys, the guys who, um, you know, aren't in an environment where they can talk about these things, where they can truly get even the medical help that they need in order to get healthy. It's really sad to watch someone physically and mentally deteriorate in that way. um, When they took such pride in their trade and in their business. Did he take his life on the job site? He did not. I thought, okay, no, I was just, Thankfully. Yeah. And then what, I mean, how did the, the union, I mean, were they there supportive? Um, yes and no. Um, right, it's such a big organization here in yeah. New York. I think the guys that were close to him, I will say <clears throat> as the wife, and I know you guys have talked about it a little bit of like, you know, when you bring your personal stuff to work, to you guys work. don't always talk about it. You can tell they're kind of off, right? The one place I did find quite a bit of judgment actually towards me was from guys that he worked with um, because he put on the brave face at work. It was just like, oh, well, I knew things weren't great at home. Um, and like, candidly, they're not going to be great at home when you have someone in active addiction and yeah. someone who's dealing with mental health issues, um, you know, that they... I think saw a different side of him. So when he was at work, I think is when he felt okay. Um, And maybe it was just him pretending to be honest um, that things were okay. So they didn't see like how unhealthy he really was. How old the kids? So at the time um, they were two and five, they are now seven and four. Um, I also have a stepdaughter who's 17 as well. And then how are you doing? Um, this is where I'm going to get emotional. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. It's, <laughs> it's just... No, it's okay. It's literally one day at a time. That's right? what it's I It's one yeah. foot in front of the other. I will say um, 
obviously I miss him terribly. And with the children, I had no option but to put one foot in front of the other and continue to wake up every day and take them to school and take care of them. I am so forever thankful to him for being able to give me a bit of mindset shift as it relates to my life because we were a busy family. I was working in corporate. He was working. I mean, any lick of overtime he could take, he did. He was put me on the job site. I'm working weekends. I'm working overtime. Like we had a hard time planning vacations and like even just the busyness of every day between the kids and work and everything. Um, but you both loved work. Like he, he loved his work. Yeah. He loved his trade. He loved the skills. And then same with you. And then you guys were building a family, right? So it wasn't a matter yeah. of like he hated going to these uh, places to do this work. No. Nope. Yeah, he took such pride in it. And he, you know, took every class that he could put him in the, um, you know, splicing program, take every certification he could, because he was a smart guy. He loved learning kind of new things about the electrical industry and being able to be a jack of all trades. Um, but when he passed, it was, okay, like, what is the life now I want for the children and I, this life that him and I had built together is now gone, right? Yeah. It's not just the death of him. It's the death of our plans. It's the death of our future together. So now what does that look like? And is working in corporate really what I want is this life of like feeling a bit tied to my computer, what I want, or can I build my own thing? Right, feeling empowered to like take control, being able to spend time, more time with the children because I do. I work flexible hours because I work from home. I pick them up from school every single day. I'm at every single practice. I'm at every sporting event. I don't miss a beat. And that wouldn't have happened if he was here. So I will say I'm so appreciative of the fact that like this complete shock in like change of our life has given me the ability to really prioritize like where I want to spend my time, how I want to make my money um, and like who I want to, you know, spend my time with. And that's why like with the impact piece I talked about earlier, I'm so passionate. Like if I can create a situation where a guy's spending less time at his job and more time yeah. with his family or hiring a guy who didn't have benefits for his wife and his children before, like I would love to be able to help you do that. Do you, Lauren, do you, do you want to share his name? Sure. His name was Brett Furtado. Yes. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you, you shared the story. It's always hard. And have you had, have other people approached you, I guess, in the neighborhood? Have other wives or anybody else have gone through similar things or going through similar things? Um, maybe less of like the death happening the way it did more like usually overdoses. I've connected with other widows that Addiction. have stigmatized deaths yet. Yeah. Listen, because the grief process is, looks very different, unfortunately, in the support that you get when you have a stigmatized death versus like, Oh, your husband was battling cancer. It's like, I don't think you understand how sad it is to see someone mentally ill. Like that is really terrible as well. And like, it's just this, wanting to stay away from it. People aren't as supportive. So I think the widow community in terms of stigmatized death in general with overdose and suicide and all of that tend to kind of come together because there's just a mutual understanding as the support that we get. And in, in all fairness, I don't think that the significant other, whatever the situation is, never gets treated fairly. I don't think they get, or they don't, they don't get, I don't know how to describe it, but they don't just, nobody really speaks to them and asks them how they're doing. 
are they okay? Is everything okay? Is there like, they just, they just see, I guess what they see and they forget who else is there, but you were with him the whole time and you saw mm -hmm. it, you saw it unfolding. Right. And just unraveling at that point. Yeah. I think there is an element of like villainizing the person who died, yeah. which is totally unfair. It's not the right totally thing to unfair. do. It's like, it's not a choice to get high. It's not a choice to want to leave your family and your beautiful children. It truly is not. And if you have never been in front of addiction, you have no appreciation for that. No, thank thank you for sharing that. I did. I did. Um, I mean, it's just um, it's terrible that it happened, but I'm glad that we met. We were talking, and we're, yes. we're, I'm, I'm, we're, I'd love to have you back on the show. And I'm, I'm encouraging anybody who's listening to the show to reach out to you regarding their businesses, as we talked earlier about it, and absolutely, to, and to discuss things with you, which is great because you've got a lot of great insight on that. And I, I'm just going to be honest about it. You're going to be able to help a lot of people, mostly men in this industry. Uh, you could totally help them. They need it, by the way. <laughs> they do yeah. need it, right? Yeah, so. absolutely. And maybe just a little plug too. Go ahead, sure. Um, plug as many as you want. I've got a lot of great free resources too. So I don't want there to be intimidation of like, oh, I can't afford a fractional CFO to be onboarded and with me every month. Um, I would just encourage, even if you're at kind of a more early stage or you're suffering in your business, like I have some really great free tools that I'm happy to share with you. Awesome. That's amazing. They'll totally appreciate that. Uh, I got to ask you the, the, uh, the questions at the end of there. And then I just want to let everybody yes. know, uh, Lauren Furtado here and it's Lauren at unconventional, uh, fo.com and it's unconventional CFO services. And then the cell number is seven, one, six, three, six, one, zero, seven, four, four. And the website is triple W unconventional hyphen CFO.com. And then on Instagram, it's Lauren underscore Furtado underscore CFO. Is that right? Yes. Okay, cool. You got it. Are you ready for the questions? I'm ready. What is your favorite construction word? Oh, God. Um, profit. It's a good one. <laughs> What's your least favorite tool? I'm going to go with, I know it's not a tool, but it's a supply and like, it is everywhere in my house unnecessarily. It's just electrical tape. Like I don't understand <laughs> like why we need that in the house. Like it's one thing if it was in your tool bag, it is literally in every single drawer. It's in even the closed drawers. It's everywhere that you can imagine in my house. Hockey sticks, no hockey sticks in the house. I guess not. No, no. <laughs> what construction sound do you love? Oh, what construction sound do I love? probably just because my kids are at the age that they are um and like any construction truck they get so excited for when we pass by a job site i will say something like a jackhammer is always like the attention of like mom what is that what is that truck what does it do so i think it's just for my kids excitement of mom explain what these different things are to me i, I would it. say that what is your favorite beverage uh, it's a toss up between a black coffee or an extra dirty martini on the rocks. <laughs> what turns you on and off in construction? Um, I think the treatment of the workers. So I think not having like the true appreciation for like the time and exhaustion that happens with guys. It's yeah. just like, yeah, they're willing to work the overtime, but like at what expense? It's, you know, you can't have people working 24 hours a day. So I think it's just being mindful of 
how you're working guys and being cognizant of, yes, things need to get done, but if we need to bring in extra resources, we probably should versus just having the guys hammer through it. What turns you on? Um, probably just the quality and like jobs well done. Right. So it's at the end of the day, like everybody works together. You guys are teams, whether you're bringing in subcontractors, you're bringing in different trades to execute. It's just at the end, there's gotta be such a sense of pride when you're done with a job and like, let's say it's profitable, all the cash has been received. So kind of really that end point of what we've gotten done and like the motivation that creates to do more of it. Um, What's your favorite curse word? We haven't been swearing on this show, but we do swear on the show. Uh, I, I usually am. Okay. No, <laughs> we, we've been good on this one, but if you want to share, by all means, it's open. I mean, so it's funny because as much as I do curse, I actually think my favorite is not a curse. It's saying God bless, like in an argument, I think is actually an yeah. even lower hit of like, you know what? God bless you. So it feels <laughs> even worse than like, fuck off. <laughs> I like that. Um, what's your favorite vehicle? Anything in the world? Oh God. Um, probably Harley Davidson. We used to go riding a lot. My husband had one and I yeah. think just like, that liberation of being on the bike. I know they're dangerous. Everyone says no, it. they're not. But like they're that not. level of intimacy of being back on the bike with your husband, like with someone you care about, is just like such a great thing. The bikes aren't dangerous. The vehicles around the bikes are dangerous. Oh, it's the girl Snapchatting next to you. That's yes, 17, that's right? what it is. That doesn't even And I've understand. done that before where I've knocked on the window. Put it down. Yeah. Because if you put me yep. down, it's going to be a different situation, right? Yeah. No, I totally agree. Big loud bike. <laughs> uh, what do you miss from your childhood? Um, probably just the carefreeness of being outside all the time, right? Things being safe and like just going all yeah. day. Uh, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt one day? Yeah. So one of my goals personally is to homeschool my kids. I know everyone thinks I'm crazy. No, nope, um, I think that's a smart school move. Systems, yep. The school systems, the way they are and the indoctrination that happens. I am I think, just full for taking more ownership over the kids. Um, so I think just being more skilled and being, you know, teaching for children i use teaching for entrepreneurial um but it's you know in terms of being able to teach the kids the skills that they need i think I just love being it. more versed in that would be helpful what profession do you not want to do oh god um probably anything in the medical field i just i got enough heartache and i know I know <laughs> ER visits with two little ones and band-aids and all that. Like, I think I just don't have the heart for it. Last question. If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at those pearly gates? Yeah. So I do think it exists. I am a Christian and I'm not shy. I'm sure you can see my cross. I always, no, I always, I always, <laughs> I always leave it open. I don't want to be judgmental. You never know. You never know. Yeah, right? absolutely. So, you never know. Yes. Uh, yeah. That welcome home. That's all he has to say or she has to say. And that's it. Lauren, absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much for making the time. And it's great to finally meet and talk. And then I'm sure we'll have plenty of more conversations in the future. So Yes, I would love to come back on any time. Totally. Really. Thank we'll you have for you having me. On. Thank you so much. Everybody reach out to her, please. Again, I just want to share it. Lauren at unconventionalfo.com. And then it's Unconventional CFO Services, www.unconventionalcfo.com. And then on Instagram, it's Lauren underscore Furtado underscore CFO. And just send her a DM or drop her an email and just start the conversation about how messy yes. your paperwork is and don't be afraid to be vulnerable regarding all of that. Simple as that. Thank you, Lauren. Don't go anywhere. Thank you. Angelina, we're at